Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcome, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Fire the Hitting Coach and the DSL. And ask me questions if I was confusing. Fire the hitting coach in the DSL. Um, actually, these two topics appear to be completely different. Completely different. But as I was doing my intro, I kind of merged them together in a fashion. In a fashion, I merged firing the hitting coach and the DSL into a bit of a cohesive topic that doesn't directly involve either one of them. Imagine, 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 imagine. It is the 17th of December. Just because that would be a nice day to have something, some kind of news breaks. December 17th, some kind of Cubs news breaks. Okay? Could be a trade. Could be a free agent signing. It could be somebody getting non-tendered. It, it could be anything under the bloody damn sun. On December 17th, something happens regarding the Cubs and there is press release. What is your default? as far as whether that is a good move or not. What is your default? Many people, many people, oh, if the Cubs did something, it's probably flipping stupid. Other people are, well, since the Cubs did it, it was obviously logical. It obviously made sense. It's going to make me feel good. It's going to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which type are you? Are you going to assume it's good or are you going to assume it's bad? Cubs make a transaction on December 17th, 2021. Are you defaulting to that's probably a good thing or are you defaulting to it's probably a bad thing? In the Twitterverse, on Facebook, on certain blogs, people are predisposed. People are predisposed. The Cubs made a move. Therefore, it is something. It's either good or it's bad. I try not to be either one of those. I really don't try to be either one of those. I really attempt to assess the specific transaction based on is the transaction logical? Does the transaction make sense? Is there some logical basis for doing it? One that I'm defaulting to a whole lot right now, a whole lot right now, is the Frank Schwindel claim off of waivers. Nothing further than that. Frank Schwindel getting claimed off 
of waivers. Now, for some people, their comment was almost certainly, who? Who? I've never heard of him. I've never heard of Frank Schwindel. So, since I have never heard of Frank Schwindel, who? Who? What a stupid move. I have never heard of this guy. Never in my born days have I ever heard of Frank Schwindel. So, since I've never heard of him, not only does that presumably mean he's a bad baseball player, but it also presumably means that it's a bad move. See how I'm doing that? Some people are, if I'm not familiar with said player, now if they'd have done something that would have made sense, like, you know, roll the clock back two years and traded uh, prospects for Chris Archer, that would have been good. Why would that have been good? Because I'd heard of Chris Archer. See how that goes? For quite a few people, if I am familiar with the player, then the Cubs are doing something that is logical. If I am not familiar with a player, then the Cubs are doing something stupid. So if the Cubs pick a pitcher they've never heard of out of East Carolina in the fourth round, that's a bad thing. Who cares? Doesn't matter. I've never heard of them. Their awareness, their complete knowledge of the player is all that's important regarding whether the acquisitions ain't good or not. That's the mindset of a lot of people. I know so darn much that I can tell you in advance if this is going to be a useful move or not. Frank Schwindel, never heard of him. Who's he? Don't care. Unimportant. That's a mindset. Some people are quite the opposite. If the Cubs did it, it therefore must make sense. And here is how I will show you it makes sense. Because after all, hey, sign this guy, spent, you know, three years, $48 million. Hey, they're showing that they are concerned about the fans. They spent it, that, that, that. Irrespective of anything else. People are generally going to default to this is a bad move or this is a good move based on uh, prior history, prior beliefs, biases, all that, yeah, however you want to phrase it. Predisposition, predisposition. The Cubs, uh, the Cubs let go of hitting coach Anthony Iapochi. And now, if you go to your Facebook, you go to your Twitter, you go to your blog, you go to your wherever, you're going to have a whole bunch of people saying, hey, it's about time. These hitters, they weren't listening to them, but whatever. Or you're going to have people saying, this is a stupid move. Why'd they get rid of him? They should have done something else. I have no idea if I... Firing Anthony Iapochi is any good. I really have no... I'm not that smart enough. I'm not intelligent enough to know whether Anthony Iapochi was the one who made Frank Schwindel into a good hitter. I'm not sure if he's the one that taught Frank uh, Patrick Wisdom to hit the ball 440 feet 
or if he's the one who taught Patrick Wisdom to strike out 40% of the time. I don't know. I don't know. For me, hitting coach, pitching coach, manager, all that kind of stuff. At the major league level, there is a whole lot more importance placed on the manager, the pitching coach, the hitting coach, than probably should be. If you take a normal season, a normal season, 162 games, you have a team go through, you have an absolutely ordinary manager. He does he, he does everything by, quote-unquote, the book. You give him an 85-win team, they get you 85 wins. That's a break-even manager. That's a complete break-even manager. I was looking at the... Uh, oh, do I even have that handy? Not really. Uh, I can probably find it, though. Um, okay, here we go. I've queued up the 2021 Cubs Blue and Cubs Red pages on Baseball Reference for 2021. 2021 Cubs Red, 2021 Cubs Blue. Cubs Red finished 28 and 30. Their Pythagorean theorem was 26 and 32. The runs they scored versus the runs they allowed indicate they should have finished 26 and 32. In reality, with Carlos Ramirez as the manager, the DSL Cubs Red finished 28 and 30 as opposed to 26 and 32. They finished two games better than they should have. Now let's jump over to Cubs Blue. They should have finished 28 and 31 based on their Pythagorean theorem. In reality, they finished 26 and 33 with Giovanni Rosario as their manager. So Cubs Blue outperformed by two games. Cubs Blue underperformed by two games. Cubs Red outperformed by two. Cubs Blue underperformed by two. So does that mean that the one manager is a whole lot better than the other manager? Well, after all, the one guy he the one guy was plus two, the other guy was minus two. So obviously the plus two managers, that's not how it works. Baseball is a random game. If you've ever done anything with games of chance, dice rolling games, Sports Illustrated or Stratomatic or anything along those lines, you get to that one point in the game. You roll the dice. And it comes up a 4-9 instead of a 4-10. If it's a 4-10, it's a game-winning home run. It's a 4-9. It's a fly ball to the track, out, game over. There's a whole lot of random in baseball. And a manager or a hitting coach or a pitching coach very rarely has a whole lot to do with overcoming randomness. Quite a few people will criticize a manager. This manager goes to the bullpen too much. He goes to the bullpen at the wrong time. This starting pitcher was doing really well, pulled him out, brought in another guy, and it didn't work. So I'm going to blame the... It's not the manager's fault that the pitcher didn't get the job done. 
Assessing coaches is very difficult. It's very random. It's kind of like you, you get the English teacher, you get the science teacher, you get the... The kid in the third chair is a great teacher. The kid in the seventh chair is a terrible teacher. It's the same damn teacher. Different people get the message across differently to different listeners. Different mouths talk differently to different ears. It's how it works. Was the firing of Anthony Iapochi, who I generally have a positive view of, I, I'm willing to say that. I, um, I don't know if he's a good hitting coach or not at the major league level. I really have a hard time telling you what would be a good hitting coach. At the, I, unless there is something that can back it up. It's really difficult for me to assess who is a good hitting coach or a bad hitting coach. For instance, let's say uh, oh, Max Muncy at some point after his career is over, says, I was struggling in AAA ball. I had been released. The Dodgers picked me up. And this specific person told me this specific thing. And because he said that specific thing, I started differently doing this with my swing, and I started to get really good because of what that one person said. If that comes out, that guy's a good coach because he related something to a person, turning them from someone who had been released and nobody wanted them even in AAA to he became a multi-year all-star. That's what coaching is. Back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, I think it was Norm Sherry, backup catcher for the Dodgers. Sandy Koufax out in the bullpen getting ready for, I don't know if he was getting ready for a start or doing a side or whatever. But Norm Sherry came out, started talking to him and said, Sandy, what you ought to do is stop trying to strike everyone out and let them hit the ball. And bam, the light went on. Sandy Koufax didn't have to try to throw every pitch through the wall. All he had to do was throw the ball. Here, let's see if you can hit this. Here's a fastball. Hey, you're tipping your pitches. I can tell that it's a fastball. Cool, great, hit it. Oops, can't. The catcher who can convince the pitcher to believe in himself. The hitting coach who can get the hitter to get the game to slow down so he doesn't have to overcommit too early. Those are the hitting coaches that help. Those are the pitching coaches that help. And there really aren't baseball card stats for that. There just aren't baseball card stats for hitting coaches. How are you going to, how would you even put together a baseball card for a hitting coach? 
He didn't hit the triple. He didn't strike out. The players either get better under this person or they don't get better under this person. Go back to the blue and the red head coach for uh, managers for the Cubs Dominican League teams. The managers aren't popping up to the second baseman with a runner on third and one out. The managers aren't the ones who are striking out the hitter with in that same sort of a situation. It's really tough to assess if a coaching coaching change makes any difference. It's really hard to tell. In my rabbit hole that I pay a lot more attention to during the off season. In my rabbit hole, there's a whole bunch of different whole bunch of different things you can look at. Whole bunch of different things you can look at. Bunch of different things you can research. If you want to do the research, if you want to do the research, but what a lot of people want to do, they just want to sit on their couch. I know the answer. I know all the answers. I know everything. I know more than you do. And I can prove it because I can say it long enough until you get tired of trying to retort. When you're trying to assess a hitting coach, it's really hard. It's right. How would one even do that? One of the ways I would assess a hitting coach, if I were of a mind to do this, I would ask, you know, again, if I were of a mind to do this, which I'm not, ask 400 hitters through the upper minor leagues and the major leagues. Who is one hitting coach or one pitching coach who said something to you that cleared things up for you? Could be a pro hitting coach, could be a college hitting coach, could could be somebody from high school, could be somebody from a driveline facility. Who's somebody who made hitting easier for you? That would be, I'm not of a mind to go out and talk to a whole bunch of pro players, but that'd be fascinating. Ask 500 people, who helped you hit better? One name, three names, whatever. As long as they keep, you know, as long as this person truly helped you get better at what it is that you do in baseball. That's what I would be interested in. If somebody helped a major league hitter get better at being a major league hitter, sounds to me like they're a good coach. Now, there could be a situation where somebody in the lower minors goes from not very good at the Dominican at the uh, Arizona League level, has a talk with the hitting coach, and all of a sudden, within three or four weeks, they're good enough to be better than low A ball. Now that sounds like it's a really good hitting coach, doesn't it? Got them all the way up a level in a matter of weeks. Does that mean they would be a good major league hitting coach? Of course not. What you're talking about with a major league hitting coach is a different mindset from a Dominican league or a Arizona compound league 
hitting coaches are about, these are the 17 guys you're trying to get better. Get them better. End of story. If you can do that, you're probably pretty good. And if you're probably pretty good at doing it on the compound level or on the low A level, you're good at that. If, because of that, you end up getting promoted and you get promoted and you get promoted and you get to the major league level, and suddenly you can't teach players how to hit 98 and up in the zone, it doesn't make you a bad hitting coach. It means that it's really hard to hit at the major league level. Assessing Anthony Iapochi. Actually, it's really easy to do. It's really easy to assess. Was this move good? Was this move bad? And you can do it absolutely easy, either direction, without even thinking. And that's the problem. People don't even think. If people aren't even thinking about it, then what's the point in even bothering? If someone wants to say the Cubs made a huge mistake in firing Anthony Iapochi because, and then they have like three paragraphs after that, or this was a really good move, because, and then they have three paragraphs after that, and they have four or five names of available people who would probably be better hitting coaches, and they would have three or four paragraphs for each player, for each potential coach, explaining why they would, they've done homework. You hear how that works? If you do the homework, if you have the awareness, then your information becomes valuable. That's not where I spend my time. I don't spend my time on which is the good hitting coach. I don't know that. I don't know how to break that nut. I don't know how to uh, catch a mouse in that trap. I'm not that good at that kind of stuff. Maybe I will be in three years. I'm not there yet. When people assess... Oh, the Cubs are always terrible at this. Or the Cubs are always terrible at that. Or they're always good at this. They're always good at that. Or that. Give me a break. Give me reasons why something makes sense. Give me reasons why stuff doesn't make sense. Your reasoning behind why it does make sense. Kind of like the so -and -so, such and such a hitter isn't clutch. Somebody, this guy is a clutch hitter. I, how are you determining that? I, on what? I, I, are, are you determining that because there was the one time you had 50 bucks riding on the game and he popped out to third base with two outs on the ninth and you lost 50 bucks? Is that what you're basing it on? Well, I, I guess, well, he's one for one in costing me $50 popping to third base. When I had money on the Cubs, well, yeah, that would that would be kind of significant to you. But frankly, I don't care about that kind of stuff. I want to hear stuff that is logically accurately predictive. Okay, the other thing for today's episode is the Dominican Summer League. I did a little bit of homework today. I ran into something I didn't I did not expect. I did not expect. I went through the major league teams in the Dominican Summer League, which teams had how many teams in the Dominican Summer League. 
I ran into some, some, some surprises. About half the league, about half the league, a little bit more than half, has two Dominican League squads. Almost all of the rest of the league has one Dominican League squad. And I ran into a little bit of an interesting thing. Now, this is kind of more tied into the concept of Tom Ricketts is cheap. Tom Ricketts is cheap. He doesn't spend any money on the Cubs. He's so cheap. He doesn't. But well, honestly, here, here's the thing. How are you assessing whether an owner is cheap or not? Are you assessing it based on? Oh well, he has a three billion dollar. He has a three million dollar or five million billion dollar or whatever it is net worth, and he doesn't want to go over one hundred ninety-two million dollars, one hundred ninety-eight million dollars, or this cycle he might only go one hundred thirty, one hundred forty. So because of that, Tom Ricketts is cheap. Well, I guess if that's what you want to go with, but then anyone who goes less than that is also equally cheap, yes? You know, as, as, as long as you're being 100% consistent, I got no problems with it. What are specific, valid, recordable, accessible ways of determining which owners are cheap? One way to do it, and it might not be entirely accurate, it might not be a entirely appropriate is how many Dominican Summer League teams does a team have? We'll go down the list. The Rays have two, which comes as no surprise. The Yankees have two, which comes as no surprise. The Red Sox have two, which comes as no surprise. The Orioles have two, which might come as a surprise because for a long time they just didn't even care about the Dominican Summer League, but they're actually trying to turn that around and... Um, Put something together in the Dominican Summer League, finally, um, with the new ownership. The, or the new leadership. Yeah, new leadership, I'll put it that way. Toronto Blue Jays only have one. That's a bit surprising. I would expect the Blue Jays would have two. Um, they don't. Cleveland, whether Indians or Defenders, have two. The Royals have two. Neither of those are a surprise. The White Sox, the Twins, and the Tigers have one. Yikes. They, why, would it, why would a team not have a second DSL squad? Why would a team not have a second DSL squad? Costs probably, I would guess, $300,000 to have an entire extra, you know, 50-game season. Something like that. Oh, what, what, what would we... What did we end up saying the Cubs, the um, Cubs red played? 58 games and 59 games. So I, probably it would be 60-game season, something like that. Five games a week. It would probably be a 60-game season, something like that. Um... Why, why would a team not want to have 60 extra games in the Dominican Summer League, 
You have a whole bunch of different players, a whole bunch of chances to get a whole lot better in games. I don't understand why. Um, carrying on. Angels won. A's won. Astros won. Mariners won. Really? Rangers have two. Now we're going to go bottoms up the other direction. Diamondbacks, two. Rockies, two. Giants, two. Dodgers, two. Dodgers would have seven if that were permitted. Padres only have one. That's a surprise. Reds have one. That's stupid. That's absolutely stupid. Pirates, two. Cubs, two. Cardinals, two. Brewers, two. Brewers and Indians are up to two. They had been at one and a half before, which was, boy, that had to be awkward. Yeah, you're on that that mutt team over there. You get to go play with some guys from the other team, and hopefully uh, you're on the team that has our pitching coach. I don't know, whatever. In the NL Central, the Phillies have two, the Mets have two, which is good to hear. For a long time, the Mets were absolutely ignoring stuff. The Mets and the Phillies are both streaming audio from the DSL. That's very good. The Nationals and the Marlins both only have one squad. Basically unforgivable. And the Braves, due to reasons from backaways, the Braves actually don't have any teams this year. Wow. I Wow. The team that has Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies has zero Dominican Summer League teams. Now, if you're going to say, if you're going to say, Tom Ricketts is cheap. Okay. Fine. Is the A's owner cheap? Is the Tigers owner cheap? Is Jerry Reinsdorf cheap? They only have one team. They only have one team in the Dominican Summer League. It would not be difficult at all to have, hey, we got another team. Go out and sign 30 guys. Sign 30 guys, give them $10,000 each, send them out on the field, have them as the backups, have the other guys as the starters. You'll probably have a crappy team for a couple years, but once your scouts get back into the flow of, then you'll have a decent enough team, you'll represent, you'll be fine. But no, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 teams only have one Dominican Summer League squad. That's inexcusable. What you have is this cycle. This cycle, the Cubs had Pedro Ramirez and Christian Hernandez. I've talked about both of them quite a bit. A lot of other people have talked about them quite a bit. Much of the season, Pedro Ramirez played shortstop. Much of the season, Christian Hernandez played shortstop. Had two teams, one and two. Both teams needed a shortstop each game. So one guy played there, one guy played there. They both got to play shortstop. Whole bunch of guys got to play outfield. Whole bunch of guys got to catch. Whole bunch of guys got to pitch. Whole bunch of guys got to play the rest of the infield position. And some of them didn't do very well. Let me see. Cubs blue. Let's scroll down, do a little bit of Cubs blue research for you. They had 16 hitters on Cubs blue. The median OPS was a little bit over 600. Half the guys were a little bit over 600. Or half the guy, 
the the eighth best OPS on the team was 629. The ninth best OPS on the team was 600. So the guys that are hitting below 600, think about them whatever you wish, but there is a very realistic chance that all of those names that I'm looking at now, not going to say them, you can look them up, you can figure this out yourself. There's a very realistic possibility that a lot of those players below that line there are not going to reach double A baseball. Not a condemnation of the person. It's just an assessment of if you have 16 guys on the team, the guys are in the bottom of eight, bottom eight of hitting on that 16 hitter squad. There's probably some issues there. On Cubs Red, again, 16 players on the squad. Doing the OPS thing. The eighth best OPS on the team was 656, which is right about league average. I think I didn't see what the league average ended up being, but it's uh, somewhere in the 667, 668 range. The eighth best OPS was 656. The ninth best OPS was 643. When you have two different squads, you have a whole bunch of extra players that get the chance to play. They play, some of them get better, some of them get worse, some of them get injured. But in general, you expect if a player gets to go out and play, you know, let's, go, let's go down the list. Huh? Ah, this is Cubs, Cubs Red, they went 28 and 30, Pedro Ramirez 50 games, as Marley Tatis, who I think also played on the other team, uh, 10 games, Anderson Suriel 50, Moises Ballesteros 48, Andrews Cruz 48, Raino Coran 40 games, Samuel Duarte, 31. Christian Moray, 42. Brian, Al, uh, Brian Altuve, 43. Starlin Mateo, 36. Freddie Montenegro, 30. Etc., 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 on down the line. And the reason they could play in that many games is because they had two different teams. Now, had Tom Ricketts been cheap, he'd have told Jed Hoyer, shut down that second team. You don't need it. Because to me, having every nickel is more important than having a quality program. But that's not what Tom Ricketts has allowed Jed Hoyer to keep, having a second Dominican Summer League team. Why? Don't know. Didn't ask him in the... What was I? I talked to Tom Ricketts one day for about three minutes. Got an autograph. Um... And I, I didn't ask him why it was that he allows the executives to have a second Dominican Summer League team. I didn't think it was all that important. Um, but if Jed Hoyer was as cheap as a lot of people claim, there'd be a lot of things he would not allow the executives to do, even at all, one of them being have a second Dominican Summer League team, because, hey, it costs money. 
if you're going to try to come up with answers to important sounding questions. Do your research. Figure stuff out. Look into stuff. And when I say, when I say research, I don't necessarily mean read all of Ken Rosenthal's articles. Read all of the articles from, you know, from this person or that. And then you're done. Try to learn stuff. Try to understand why things work. Why do, um, why is it useful to have two different Dominican Summer League teams? You let more players play. More players get extended. More players play uh, games with an opponent as opposed to just a scrimmage game. And then perhaps they will do better or perhaps they will do worse, but at least they'll have a chance to do something. When something comes up with Cubs news, what why I say? December 17th? December 17th, something comes out about the Cubs. They make a trade. They make... Don't presume... I'll, I'll, I'll use me. I'll use me. Let's say we know it's going to be a trade. Let's say we know it's going to be a trade. The Cubs are going to make a trade on December 17th. What is Tim going to think of this trade? Am I going to be predisposed to think it is a good trade? Am I going to be predisposed to think it's a bad trade? Really, no. I might be predisposed to think that probably if the Cubs are going to trade someone along the lines of Wilson Contreras or Kyle Hendricks, they might be leaning toward getting players who have over a year to go before the Rule 5 draft. I might think that. But I tell you what, when the trade gets announced, if it isn't something like that, I'll say, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I would have thought when the Craig Kimbrell return was announced. When the Craig Kimbrell return was announced, I was very surprised. There was two guys who were already on the 40-man roster. I was very surprised. I was predisposed to think that it was going to be minor league players. It wasn't. So I admitted right up front, hey, I, I'm surprised. This is not what I expected. Now, once I did the research, once I looked into it, it's like, looks like a reasonably good trade. But I didn't expect that it was going to be for two major league players. Do your research. Please do your research. And if you're not going to do your research, don't try to get in the way of people who are. If you're just watching the game, if you're just flashing passive-aggressive... Oh, I, I was watching a movie a couple nights... television show a couple nights ago. You, you've heard the term passive-aggressive. I know, I know I use it a lot. Um... What was the line somebody used? Instead of passive-aggressive, active-aggressive, or something like that. Might not have been active-aggressive, but it was 
completely the flip of passive aggressive. I think it was active aggressive. Um, you know, so many people are, oh man, those stupid cubs. They just, or there are some people who are completely the opposite. Let the move happen. Let it happen. Let it fall to the ground, whether it's like a leaf kind of swaying in the wind. You know, is it going to fall this time? No, it didn't fall this time. Is it going to... Boom, lands on the sidewalk. Let the news fall to the ground. Or maybe it'll be like a safe. Boom! Let the news fall to the ground. Let the news fall to the ground. Walk in with a clear mind. Walk in with a clear mind as best as possible, eliminating any sort of predisposition. Cubs look over hitting coach. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? If you're going to say it's a good thing, what is your reasoning behind saying that it is? Who would possibly be better? Who is available? Where, where would you possibly look to find a better hitting coach? What sorts of things might you... Those are hard questions. Those are hard questions. If you're going to criticize the Cubs, explain why you're criticizing them, and give reasons. A passive-aggressive, I'm a frustrated Cubs fan, and they traded all the players that I liked. I get that. I get that. But that doesn't mean that the next move they're going to make is stupid, nor does it mean the next move that they're going to make is logical and effective. Plenty of times, something that makes perfect sense backfires. Something that makes perfect sense backfires. For the San Diego Padres, trading for Jake Marisnik made perfect sense. For the Padres, Trading for you, Darvish. Trading for Blake Snell made perfect sense. As of 2021, neither one of them worked. So it goes. Doesn't make it a bad trade. It's not a bad trade because it doesn't work. It's a bad trade if you misassess something, either on your end or on their end, or you do something for a really dumb reason. You want a stupid trade? If you want a stupid trade, whether it worked out or not, whether it worked out or not, my two favorite Cubs stupid trades. One of them was trading Bill Madlock to the Giants for Bobby Mercer because Bill Madlock wanted to get a raise. Now, that, that, that on its own, that's kind of stupid. Bill Madlock was still quite young, just figuring it out, coming off of, what, two hitting titles? Two batting titles? Bobby Mercer was had already been in the league for 10, 11 years, something like that, and was definitely getting up there in age. Not only did the Cubs trade for Bobby Mercer, trading away Bill Madlock because Bill Madlock wanted to get paid more. When 
Bobby Mercer arrived in Chicago. The Cubs gave Bobby Mercer a pay hike that he hadn't asked for to give him more than Bill Madlock had wanted. Try to fit that inside your skull. How does that make sense? That is stupid. The other stupid trade, going back a little bit further, and again, it's not the, these are the numbers that came up. This is what happened after the trade. This is what led up to the trade. 1969, the Cubs were struggling to find a center fielder. Don Young was much of the time their center fielder. Byron, no, um, Adolfo Phillips had played some in center early in 1969. He had gotten traded. Jimmy Hickman played center field. Ugh, that was ghastly. Um, they never figured out center field. They just did not figure out center field. They had a halfway decent center fielder. They might have won the division, irrespective of Nolan Ryan and Tom Seaver and all that stuff. Late in the season, desperate, seeing everything fading away, they called up from the minor leagues Oscar Gamble. Was Oscar Gamble ready to play at the major league level? Debatable. Was it wise to call him up and start his... Well, there really wasn't a service clock back then, so that really wasn't even a concern. But um, that he wasn't ready was going to create a situation where he got sent back down to the minors and he ended up using a an option season anyway. But again, that wouldn't matter either. Because the Chicago Cubs traded Oscar Gamble along with reliever Dick Selma for Johnny Callison, another another old outfielder who used to be a, an all-star, but he was getting up in the, he was getting up in age. He, I think he had two or three years left in his career. Cubs brought over Johnny Callison for Oscar Gamble and Dick Selma. Why did the Cubs trade Oscar Gamble? They traded Oscar Gamble because he was dating white women. You want to tell me about stupid trade? You can go ahead and tell me about stupid trade all you want. I'm trading this guy because he's dating white women? That's stupid reason for a trade. I'm trading this guy because he wants a pay hike? That's a pretty stupid reason for a trade, maybe. But if you're trading them for a guy who's older, who's not as good, whose career is almost over, and when he arrives, you give him an unrequested pay hike to over to the point of what the other guy had requested, now those are some stupid moves. And they're not stupid because I'm reflexively saying everything back then was stupid. Everything back then the Cubs did was stupid. I'll even go as far as to say the Lou Brock trade wasn't that bad of a trade. That's not popular at all. Well, how can you say that? Lou Brock went on to... Lou Brock, with the Cubs, was who he was going to be. He was not going to get taught how to play the outfield properly. Cubs had no interest in that. 
Cubs outfield then was Billy Williams in left, Lou Brock in wherever they put him, and he wasn't very good anywhere, especially then defensively. And then, uh, crikey, who was even their, their other outfielder in 64? I'm not even remembering right now. I guess I could look it up. Yeah, might as well. Um, a trade is logical or illogical because of why it was made. A trade is logical or illogical because it was because of why it was made. If a team decides we really need a good relief pitcher, so we're going to make this trade and get this really good relief pitcher so we can be better in this season, that kind of trade makes sense. That kind of trade makes sense. The Cubs outfield in 1964. Billy Williams in left. Len Gabrielson in right. Who, let me see. Brock was the starter, and Gabrielson probably took over for him. And Billy Cohen was in center. Billy Cohen. Their outfield combined for, let's see, Williams hit 33 homers, Cohen hit 19, Gabrielson hit 5, and Lou Brock hit 2. Lou Brock's OPS in Chicago in 1964 was 6.40. Doug Clemens got some looks in the outfield as well. Would he? No, that wouldn't have been a pure platoon. So Lou Brock, OPS in Chicago, 6.40. OPS in St. Louis, 9.15. That wasn't a case of Lou Brock. Oh my goodness, I completely, all on my own, without being coached, figured out how to get better. <coughs> what more than likely happened, and this is a nice little bow on the entire thing, what probably happened is the Cardinals had good coaching, good offensive coaching, good defensive coaching, and it was displayed by someone walking in effectively off the street and being turned into a much better player than was expected. Lou Brock, if anybody talked about OPS back in 1964, which they did not, Lou Brock walks in the door, 640 OPS. What would you think that Cardinals fans, if they were into OPS back in the day, what do you think they were going to say Lou Brock's OPS would be for the rest of the season? 600, 620, maybe 650? Somewhere in there, they'd be happy because who the heck is Lou Brock? The Cardinals found a way to make Lou Brock a much better baseball player. Why? Because they had good coaches. They had good coaches. Now, have the Cubs on the pitching end done a fairly good job, in your opinion, calling up a player from AAA and getting him to produce at better than your expected level of production? I'd say, yeah. Call up a guy nobody's ever heard of. Hey, this guy's kind of good. 
is Justin Steele, dude. I'd never heard of him before. Because I don't believe in paying attention to the minor leagues. I don't listen to the minor league games. Don't pay attention to the minor league games. Justin Steele, this guy comes out, hey, he looks kind of good. Maybe I was an idiot for being opposed to Justin Steele getting called up or saying, who? If a team is taking somebody that nobody's that familiar with, and he comes up and he does a fantastic job, maybe there's some coaching going on. Which is kind of surprising to me. Why? Iapochi was let go. Not saying it's good, not saying it's bad. I'm a bit surprised. I'm a bit surprised. Because Frank Schwindel outperformed. Patrick Wisdom outperformed. The whole team that was on the team late in the season outperformed. Rafael Ortega outperformed. Alfonso Rivas did a whole bunch of the things. I said, hey, when Alfonso Rivas gets called up, look out, he's going to do something. He did those things. Players that people hadn't heard of did well. Yet Anthony Iapochi got fired. Interesting. Didn't say good. Didn't say bad. Interesting. Kind of like one of those things where you, ah. Uh, oh, especially um, old movies, where, older movies. Uh, 1980s, 1970s, 1960s, talking about computers. How they thought computers were going to be, or how computers were back in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. You enter some information into your database, and the computer spits, spits out, please send more information. Please send more information. In other words, we haven't been able to come to a conclusion yet. That's where I'm with. Anthony Iapochi, I think he's probably a good head coach, um, hitting coach. Is he good enough to get major league hitters to not swing at pitches they can't hit in the first place? I don't know. I don't know how one does that. Um, I don't think Anthony Iapochi being fired will help the Cubs in 2022-23. I don't think it'll harm them all that much. I think it's going to be a whole lot more dependent upon what is Tom Ricketts' number for Jed Hoyer going to be. Will Jed Hoyer find somebody who is interested in coming to the Cubs at the rate that he's offering? When the Cubs make a move, walk in with a clean slate. Assess the logic as you see it. Don't base everything on, well, my default is the Cubs made a move, so it was smart. The Cubs made a move, so it was probably stupid. Fire the hitting coach, Dominican Summer League. Tom Ricketts is an owner. He's an owner. He's not a cheap owner. He's not a great owner. He's not a terrible owner. He's a Major League Baseball owner. Major League Baseball owners are largely quite similar. If you're trying to assess things, do a little bit of homework. Do a little bit of homework. Don't be afraid to look at baseball reference or fan graphs. Half you are laughing at me. Why are you looking at baseball reference? Well, I got my reasons. 
it's tough to coach hitting at the major league level. It's a whole lot more difficult to coach hitting at the major league level than it is to sit on your couch and spit out passive-aggressive comments toward your favorite team. It's it, That's easy to do. Actually coming up with why something makes sense, that's a whole lot harder to do. And I challenge you to try to do the homework and figure out reasons for believing what it is that you believe. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon. The circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to have that worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.